Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all you wonderful faces. Right. Um, can we just thank the worship team and, and Heather for uh, just an amazing set today? Thank you. You know, it's interesting, before we get into this, um, the one song that we sang, It Is Well With My Soul, it's actually a really old song. It's like back in the 1800s when, they, uh, when that was written by uh, Horatio Spafford. And if you don't know, uh, we sing that song and we're all like, yeah, it is well. But I just want to just for a moment before we get into the message, I just want to kind of share a little bit of the background of that song. Um, this hymn was written out of a traumatic event in Spafford's life. His uh, first two were the death of his four-year-old son in the Great Chicago Fire in 1879, which ruined him financially. He was a successful lawyer. Um, he had business interests in this and the other. Um, so later he had a change of plans. He sent his family ahead, um, ahead of him uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, hit the ship sank and it collided with another vessel. And then all four of his daughters were killed in that. Uh, his wife was the only survivor. She sent a telegram, shows you how long ago it was. And it was just two words, survived alone. And out of that, going through that traumatic experience, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul where people would lose all hope, where people would, you know, when, when their, their most precious things that are to them are taken away from them. Reminds me of Job, when Job said, uh, when all of his kids were killed, he said, naked did I come, naked will I go, blessed be the name of the Lord. And, 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 and so when you have a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus, that uh, you can see it embedded into a heart of anguish and then also a heart of thank god i love you that's amazing do you know some of our best worship will come out of our most traumatic experiences in life so it's pretty powerful isn't it so we just sing you know it is well my soul and it's all him and it's all beautiful but that was birthed out of the anguish of a man who lost his children so just wanted to point that out so as we're singing and loving on jesus you know that was birthed out of somebody else's pain so Anyways, we're going to continue on our sermon series called Set a Part. And if you're taking sermon notes today, the title of this message is called Unspotted Garments. We're going to primarily uh, get the portion of what we're going to talk about today out of James chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles or smartphones or tablets or whatever you might have, turn to James chapter 1 because we're going to be reading verse 27. And, um, and as you're... As you're turning there, we'll all be on our screens as well. And I just want to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we just thank you for your presence being in this place. And Lord, we are so grateful. And we are so thankful, God. And our worship to you is just a love letter of thanksgiving and appreciation. And we thank you for your word. God, let your word speak to us in a mighty way today, God, as we lean into you, God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together. Amen. Amen. All right, James chapter 1, verse 27. This is out of the New King James Version. That's what NKJV means, New King James Version. And it says this. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So two kind of requirements, two kind of 
encouragement is looking after orphans and widows and then also keeping ourselves from being unspotted. So uh, I just want to just point out a few words in this verse and just give you what some of the other translations are saying. So that word trouble, it says, you know, in their trouble, that word trouble, in another translation, it would say affliction. In another translation, it'll say distress. You can go to the next slide, Jordan. In the next uh, translation, it'll say tribulation or it'll say misfortune. And then um, another word that I just want to point out here, not only trouble, but this word unspotted, being unspotted from that word, from the world. That word can actually, uh, in another translation, it will say uncontaminated. It'll say unstained. It'll say polluted, corrupted. So, so we keep ourselves from being polluted from the world, from corrupted from the world, from unstained from the world. Are you getting this picture, friends? And another word that I want to uh, point out here is the, the beginning, it says pure and genuine religion, or excuse me, pure and undefiled. That can also be pure and genuine or pure and faultless. So I didn't actually put that up there, but so pure and undefiled religion or pure and genuine religion or pure and faultless religion is this, looking after orphans and widows and then keeping oneself. And then the word, and it says to visit. That word to visit in other translations will say to look after or to care for. So it's basically saying pure and undefiled or pure and genuine religion before God is this, to visit, to look after, to care for orphans and widows in their trouble, in their uh, affliction, their distress, their tribulation, their misfortune, and to keep oneself unspotted, uncontaminated, unstained, unpolluted, uncorrupted from the world. You catch that? So let's just kind of break this uh, down here uh, for a minute. Uh, the first part talks about orphans and widows. And so there is a need, friends, listen to me, friends, there is a need for men and women of God to raise up and mentor spiritual orphans. We live in a generation, we have young men and young women who don't have fathers or mothers or sustainable families. And, and so, so the challenge that, that we've been given through the book of James, not only back 2,000 years ago, but us today, is that we would encourage, pour into, teach, love, uh, live with, and, and uh, look after those that are marginalized. There's a need for the people of God to care for and love elders, older saints. Widows represents that, that person that, you know, I just kind of pictured maybe that grandma who, you know, she's living all by herself. And, you know, that young person, you know, again, it represents, I mean, it says we, we, we live in a generation where, where fatherlessness is at its highest it's ever been. And our uh, criminal justice system, the majority of people that are incarcerated were raised without fathers. Because there is such a need for men and women to pour into young people. And if, they, and if they don't have the right people, if they don't have mentors or people who are, who are showing them the right way, they're going to do it their own way. Or they're going to do it the wrong way. They're going to make their own, their own way up. So the younger and older uh, is what it's talking about. We're pure in our faith when we looked after those who are in need. Orphans and widows were, were a classification of people whom James called all believers to look after. The church is mandated to look after the marginalized. It's a mandate. We're mandated, commissioned, look after those who are marginalized. The word marginalized basically means, you know, they're overlooked, right? 
I mean, think of this. I mean, I mean, you know, in our day now, we have people that are over. I mean, we got great, you know, organizations that are looking after homeless and that and the other. But still, there's still people sleeping under bridges, right? There's still people sleeping on park benches. And it's not the government's job. It's the church's job. It's our job. It's one of the reasons why we have Vision Kitchen. It's one of the reasons why we give out food, why we give out clothes, why we do all these things. Because it is our commission to look after those that are marginalized. So, so if we want to have religion that actually looks good in God's eyes, it's not this pretty, everything looks good, us having a beautiful building and perfect sound worship and settings and all this other stuff. All that stuff, uh, that, that's all just a facade. <laughs> the, real, the real deal, the real meat and potatoes is looking after others, especially others who can't do anything for you. The scripture says that, you know, it's easy to love those who love you, but, but really we're called to love those who who aren't going to do anything back, going to give you anything back, right? I mean, you know, you loan money to somebody, maybe they'll loan it back to you. You like to, people that you have common interest with or people that you, you know, will spend time with. But the scriptures is, is calling us up to this thing where we will actually do for others who can't do anything else, anything back for us. I mean, can, I mean, can, a, can a widow pay you back? Well, maybe she can bake you a cake or something or nice pie or something, you know? I mean, what can a young person do, right? I mean, you're pouring into a young person. I mean, the only way they can pay you back is, you know, respect. It, it reminds me of when, uh, it's probably about 2005. Yeah, yeah, 2004, 2005, my wife and I were youth pastors. And um, our, youth, our youth ministry was uh, in South Toledo um, in a, a low-income uh, neighborhood. And uh, tons of, tons of, of kids who, who, man, their home life was a wreck. You know, home life was a wreck. And, uh, and we never, we never told them to do this. We never asked them to do this, but we'd have kids that would come in there and that would start calling me dad and start calling joy mom because we were just loving on them. We were just spending time with them. They were staying the night. We we're taking them. To the movie. We we're just doing regular stuff. And, and, you know, Hey, we're having church on Wednesdays. We we're on Mondays. We were doing like a discipleship and teaching them all these things. And there's, there, are, there are some, to this day, some almost 20 years ago, that still will call me on the, on the phone and they call me dad. Like the one guy, he's married, he has two kids, and he said, you're the, you're the closest thing to a dad figure I've ever had. Why? Because, well, because when he was two years old, his dad committed suicide, his mom was running the streets on drugs, and then when he was 13 years old, came to our church, we just loved on him and just, just spent some time with him. You know, and, and he didn't become a statistic. He got his life clean, got his life together, got married, had, got, you know, has children, all this other stuff. And still will call me and say, hey, dad. And all I did was love on him. I didn't do anything special. You know what I mean? And that's what the church is called to do, friends. We are called to love on those. Because what would happen? I mean, that kid would be a statistic. You know, I mean, and we had a number of kids going through and a lot of them are. I mean, we still, I mean, that's a good story. We got some that, you know, they end up shooting and are doing life in prison. You know, I mean, because they didn't have people in their life that would really invest in pouring into their lives. So it's our mandate. I know I just kind of hit that. I mean, it's like, whoa, yes, that's our commission, friends. So look after that. So the Lord's commissioning us to look after those, the uh, orphans and widows. Basically, you know, those that are uh, classified, uh, marginalized. And then also he says this, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So sin, the flesh, the world can 
pollute our lives. Sin, the world, can pollute. And then the scripture uses this illustration over and over again about garments. Over and over again, it uses this illustration. Like, for example, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says this. This is in the um, ESV. Verse 10, it'll be up on the screens. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he, say he, he. talking about God, he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. So when you commit your life to Christ, he clothes you with salvation. And he, say he, he, come on church, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So, Isaiah, so it, it's using this illustration of using garments, clothing, as salvation, as righteousness. And friends, and that's... So when we look at, think of this, when you think of this word spotted, the first thing that I automatically think of is like you have a stain on your shirt, right? I mean, that's the first thing I think, or maybe you got a stain on your pants. I mean, some of the worst stains are like, you know, spaghetti or ketchup or whatever. And if you ever had a really nice uh, piece of clothing and you, and you got oil on it or you got grease on it, it's over, right? Like you, like if, if you can actually fix that, please let me know. Because anytime I, or you can fix that stuff. Because you get oil or, or something like that on a, on a garment, it's like stained forever. So the scriptures is, is talking about this spotting that happens from the world, right? Not from your food. And that it happens on these garments. It happens on these clothing. So it's like when we commit our life to Jesus, he gives us a spiritual robe. Look at your neighbor say spiritual robe. As a spiritual robe or garment or covering. And that's what he does. But the thing is, the sin and the world can spot that garment. Okay? So Jude chapter 1. And we're going to get in. I'm going to. I got a really cool illustration, hopefully. Hopefully it's as cool as I thought it in my brain. Jude chapter 23 says this. In verse 23, it's only one chapter. It says, save others by snatching them out of the fire and to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. There it is again. So it's saying you have this spiritual clothing. And if you are continuing to act out in your flesh and sinful nature, you actually stain that thing. You stain that thing. We're going to read one more and then I'm going to show this illustration. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 3 through 5 says this. It says, now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. Say filthy. 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 Have you ever had your child come in the house and they was, there was just dirt from head to toe? Filthy, right? There's no other word. It's just filthy. Some of those times, like if it's nice out and it's hot out, you say, go hose yourself down or let's go around because you ain't even stepping in my house. You are filthy. You're a dirt ball. Like, no, you're not bringing that in the house. I mean, there's something about a kid that just wants to go out there and be in the mud. We used to, when I was a kid, okay, sidetrack. When I was a kid, we used to have this little uh, area that was out by the street. And so like when it would rain, it actually would go into like this little like concave area and it would fill up with water well when i was a kid we thought that was a pool so we'd be out there and we'd be swimming in that thing and that thing was muddy and mucky and so we would just be in there swimming and stuff you know it's out by the street that's like super dangerous but we didn't care we were little and when we got out there we, we just thought that was like the best thing ever and it would be mud all over us because it was just you're in that and swimming and yuck and I, and my parents would hose me down right outside 
And so in the same context, you know, Judah's saying that, that our flesh can actually pollute our garments. And then Zechariah, he says, remove the filthy garments from him. Okay, continuing that verse. And to him, he said, behold, I've taken away your iniquity from you. So here we, so see how I underline these two things? So Zechariah is, is correlating filthy garments with iniquity. Iniquity is just a big word, which means sin, right? Our wrongdoings. So he's saying, remove that filthy garment, removing that iniquity. Go to the next, the next part here. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. This is God speaking. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head so that they have a clean turban on his head and clothe him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. So, so we see this kind of this picture of clothing, of garments, of robes, of whatever you want to call it. Them actually being polluted or stained or spotted by sin, iniquity, the world, all these things. So I just had this kind of like this really cool idea when I was, uh, when the Lord was, you know, I've been actually chewing on this message for probably, probably about two weeks. And I just had this picture in my head when, um, when I was thinking about, I was thinking about garments and, um, you know, one of the side things that I do is I, I, I do some painting. And so, you know, I think of this, I think of like, you know, before we commit our life to Christ, before you say yes to Lord, before you, you know, fully engage and say, God, I, you know, I sin, I'm a sinner, this, that, and the other. We actually have this garment, kind of like here in Zechariah, where uh, he actually had a filthy garment, okay? And it maybe looks something like this, you know? I mean, this, was, this is like what my life looked like before Christ. Kind of tattered, look, it's a little ripped up here at the bottom. I mean, there's like all kinds of stains on it. I mean, that's, and it's kind of funny, this is actually a voice of the martyrs. <laughs> it's actually a, a voice of the martyrs. Uh, thing. You know, it's kind of funny because the scripture says that, you know, that our righteousness is as filthy dish rags. So, you know, so I mean, this could represent maybe you trying to do it, you trying to be a good person, but it definitely represents our sinful nature. And so this is what this looks like. It's kind of brown and nasty. And I know I probably should have thrown it away like 20 years ago, but, but I, I can't get rid of clothes because I don't know, I just have like a problem like that. And so we are going to hang this up to remind us of what so this is, this is that Zechariah filthy garment. This is it. Let's just try to hang this up here. Got my little pens. So this is what this looks like here. Little filthy garment. So now the interesting thing about this is that... There, that works, right? Look at that. It's all tattered and nasty. The interesting thing about this is, you know, this... Before Christ, and we don't see this, you know, we just think, oh, we're, you know, we're good, we're a good person, but this is it, you know, and, and, you know, and it's just, and every time we give into our flesh, every time we sin, we actually stain this more. But when we, when we come into Christ, when we commit our life to Christ, it says this, it says in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, put that on the, on the thing for me, please. Um, it says, I said to him, sir, you know, okay, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about the tribulation. It says, it says they, okay, these are the, these are people that are okay, in heaven. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So this is you before Christ. You commit your life to Christ. And then what God actually does 
is he gives you a new garment. He gives you a garment that's white as snow. Okay, this is actually a shirt I had to turn inside out because I didn't actually have an all-white shirt. So, so this is, this is, this is, this represents my all-white shirt. No, see, it has like words on it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're jumping ahead of my message. There's a reason why I'm wearing this as well. Another illustration. He's a jump in the gun. So, so when you commit your life to Christ, he actually gives you a white robe. It says in Revelation uh, chapter 6, verse 11, it said, he gave them white robes. So the Lord actually, right, he actually, he doesn't just cover this old garment. He actually removes it from you. Okay. He actually removes it from you. And then he gives you a brand new garment. Isn't that pretty amazing? I know I'm cheap and I'm, oh man, I'm mad that I'm going to ruin the shirt. Or somebody's going to ruin it for me, hopefully. So, as you can see, I'm not a, you know, this wasn't pre-rehearsed, obviously. We don't. Boom. So, so you commit your life to Christ. And you know what? I actually like ironed it to try to get out all the stuff. But, you know, it's whatever. It's whatever. It's still. Okay. You guys know what the picture is. Okay. So this was your life. This was my life before Christ. It was this thing right here. Right. Tattered. Worn. Spotted. Nasty. Right. Trying to find love in all the wrong places. Trying to fill our life with all these things. And then the Lord, because he says, I, behold, I make all things new. He actually exchanges your life and gives you his life. Right? And that's why it says, it says, they washed their robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. So then he gives you your new robe when you become like Christ. And so then you have this nice, clean, white robe. But this is the problem. Even after we commit our life to Christ, we still sin, right? I need, I need a, I need a, I need somebody who wants to help me out here. I need a, I need a volunteer. Janae would love to. She just got voluntold. Come on up here, Janae. Okay. I'm going to just kind of set this right here. So, okay. Just in case, just in case. Okay. So you've committed your life to Christ, right? Behold, he's made all things new. But what happens is sin Still, right? What does it says? James, the book of James. The book of James is written to the church. Keep yourself from being unspotted from the word. Why we say keep unless there's times we will spot our garment. So we have here some beautiful sweet baby rays. Barbecue sauce. We got some chocolate syrup here. Well, Janae, go ahead and, you know, maybe, you know, you, okay. So, you know, you commit your life to Christ, but, you know, you decided, hey, you're going to go. Okay, yeah, you're going to go ahead and, I don't know, maybe you're going to go, maybe you're going to do some things that you used to do before, right? So you just go ahead and smear that on there. Yeah, there you go. Smear it in there real nice. There we go. Yeah, go ahead. Use your hands and kind of wipe it in there. Oh, like, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Roll up your sleeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to get in it. Yeah, yeah. You notice how I have somebody else doing this for me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 the pen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of, yo, Yes. So you're getting this. So look, and then it's kind of smeared and smudged and nasty. There we go. How about we add a little bit of barbecue sauce to that too? There, Janae. Add some barbecue. 
Add some barbecue sauce to our, to our garment. Go ahead and do that. Some barbecue. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yum. Yum. Mm. Throw some more pins in here. So, all right. That is perfect. That is amazing. Thank you. That is amazing. Just go hose her up. Thank you, Janae. You can go wash your hands. Thank you so very much, ma'am. That was perfect. That was amazing. So now this is the thing. This is the thing. I know it's, it's pretty nasty. So this is the thing. When we commit our life to Christ, he gives us pure robes, right? He gives us a new robe. He clothes us with righteousness. The scripture says he gives us white robes. But what happens is, James chapter 1, is we can allow the world, we can allow beliefs, we can allow sin, we can allow things to blemish the robe that he's given us. Not that old, not the old rag, the new one. Because this, this is what the scripture says. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 5, check this out. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Please do that. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Say the word. The word word of the Lord, right? Verse 27. So that he might present the church. Say the church. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish. So there's, friends, there's things in our life that will want to blemish your walk with Christ. There are things in our life that will want to spot and wrinkle our walk with the Lord. And when we allow sin into our life, after we've committed our life to the Lord, this is what happens. The beautiful thing is, is that even though our garment can look like this, how many of us know that His grace and His mercy are new every single morning? Okay, the scripture says, right, that we, we do not, Keep on sinning so that grace may increase. God already knew that we weren't going to walk this perfect little life after we commit our life to Christ. That is, you can't do that. There's the only, there was only one perfect person. His name was Jesus. But that we were going to make mistakes even after being in Christ. And his blood, and that's why it says, his blood washes their garments. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, Ephesians uh, chapter 25 talks about this, that actually Jesus is going to present us to the Father without spot or wrinkle or blemish. But that word holy, holy, man, that's what we're talking about. Set apart means holy, okay? That's what we're talking about, being holy, being set apart, being, being separate, being separate. I want to read another verse here. Actually, this is a number of verses. Because all of this coincides with Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to read, we're going to read, I got a lot of, uh, like three or four more scriptures here I'm going to read. We're going to read Matthew 22, we're going to read verse 1 through 14, and then I want us to read Revelation 19. You guys still with me? You getting this visual of this spotted garment? Our life can be spotted by the world? Okay. Matthew 22, we're going to read verse 1 through 14. Buckle up, let's do it. Jesus says, we're going to read this whole parable. 
Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. How many of us know that the Lord's invitation was, that was sent to us? We've, I mean, if you're in here today, you most likely received that invitation. You said, yes, Lord. I received the invitation not only to live with you forever, but to live for you now because you're amazing. You've shown me how awesome and amazing you are. You received that invitation. But how many times have you ever shared the gospel or shared your faith or shared the good news with someone else? And they're like, no, nah, I want nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with religion. Nothing to do with church. Right. Okay. It would not come. Verse four. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited. See, I've prepared a dinner. Right. Jesus came so that none would perish. Right. He's inviting everyone. My oxen, my fat and calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Verse five. They paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. How many people know that people have been martyred for the faith, sharing the gospel? Absolutely. Right? There's people that are being killed for the message of the gospel to this day. Right? In, in closed countries or, or persecuted countries. Okay? Verse 7. The king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Don't mess with Jesus. <laughs> Verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. He's like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. You're invited to be with Jesus. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Verse 11, but when the king came and, and looked at the guest, he saw a man who had no wedding garment. Say wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. We know that that, go ahead and I'll go back to that, please, Jordan. Thank you. We know that that, you know, that place that they're talking about, uh, outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. We know that that represents hell, right? But isn't it interesting that he invited all these guests in, but he saw somebody who did not prepare themselves, right? I mean, have you ever been to a wedding? Did you ever just throw on some jogging pants and, you know, and, you know, and not brush your, your, you know, your bedhead and just go off into a, to a wedding. From the weddings that I've performed and or uh, attended, people put on real nice clothes. Some of them will have, some of them will have, you know, beautiful gowns, tuxedos, nice uh, outfits, get real cleaned up. Why? Because that is a special occasion. And so people actually present themselves, you know, in a manner for a wedding, unlike the way they would present themselves in front of their couch, you know, watching TV, right? <laughs> well, think of this. In the same context, Jesus is using this whole illustration of this, of this huge wedding banquet, and there's a guy in there who didn't prepare himself. Now, we'll just hold on and just remember that for a moment. There was a guy in the wet who was invited. He came, but he didn't have wedding clothes on, okay? 
Hold on to that thought. Revelation. You bet it. You bet it. Hold on to that thought. Let's go to Revelation chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. You guys, are you guys following along with me? Because I'm kind of like, doo, doo, doo. okay. This is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the title of, the, of this passage. It says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of the great multitude, like the roaring of many waters, like the sound of a mighty um, peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah. <laughs> so if you guys were like, oh, there goes uh, Heather trying to get me to, to, you know, to say, you know, to say hallelujah out in front of everybody else. Well, when these people in heaven with a loud peal of thunder are like, hallelujah. Woo! Right? Yeah. I, mean, have you ever, I mean, have you ever heard thunder? I mean, you can sometimes feel thunder. Have you ever had, have you ever felt thunder where it like shook a, a, a room or a house or, or where you were, were at? It's saying that they shouted, they cried out. Crying out is not like, hallelujah. No, it's like crying out like, hallelujah. For the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her clothing, or excuse me, it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, pure and bright. That's it. So, remember what I said? Remember what I said about these garments, right? These are, this, this is our life, right? This is, this is what we look like before Christ. The Lord actually gives us, right, white robes. It says right there. That it was given to, to him, right? Pure, fine linen. But this is the thing. This is the thing. Listen, if you, get, if you don't get anything, please get this thing. It says, clothed herself. So the Lord has it ready. But it's our, right, job to receive that. He's prepared it. He's made a way. But you're the one who puts it on, right? Right? He doesn't force himself on people. He's given us this beautiful thing called free will. And it's our decision to say, I'm going to put on the wedding clothes of the lamb. They're pure, bright, fine linen. The bride has made herself ready. She clothed herself. Now, the beautiful thing about this is this was, this was the model from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, who made the clothes? Adam and Eve tried to, right? They took little fig leaves and tried to cover themselves up. But that didn't work. And that's how we are, friends. You know, we try to cover up. <laughs> we try to make it look like we got it all together. We, we try to, you know, put on our best face on Facebook. We'll put on our best life. And what we're doing is we're just trying to cover up ourselves. And, that, and that's not adequate clothing. Then God himself did what? He's the one who covered Adam and Eve. That's what it says in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, right? He covered them with skins. So in the beginning, we see that they sinned, they messed up, God covered them. And in the same context, friends, when we commit our life to Christ, when we, when we give ourselves to him, he is the one that covers us. I was talking about it a few weeks ago, how set apart in this whole thing about holiness. And holiness, you know, is the only way you can be holy is the Lord makes you holy. When you try to make yourself holy, that becomes religious, right? That becomes, you become a Pharisee, right? Right, that is wrong. I mean, those are the people that are pious. They're the ones that are trying to put things on others. You know, your own righteousness, your own religion, your own thoughts, you trying to do it in your own way. That's like your own garments, 
But to be truly set apart, to be holy, it's the Lord who Jesus Christ in you is what makes us holy. Does that make sense? So it's Jesus himself who clothes us. It says those who have committed their lives to Jesus, he's given us garments of salvation, robes of righteousness. These are our wedding clothes and our, and then it's our responsibility to try to do our best to keep our wedding clothes clean. Have you ever had on like a really nice suit and had a really dirty car and you brushed up against that? Been there, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. Have you had on a real nice shirt or real nice pair of pants? And you went out to eat and you were just a little too far from the plate and it fell on your clothes, right? The older I get, the more my wife is like, you need a bib, babe. <laughs> you, you need a bib, bib. It's this right here that we have to, this, is, this right here is what James is encouraging us to watch out for. Because there's no way that we'll be able to stand before the Lord with this. Okay, last verse here. You guys sit with me? Psalm 24, verse 3 through 4. It says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Right? We're talking about being before the Lord. And who shall stand in his holy place? Say holy. holy. Right? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation, such as the generations who seek, uh, seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. That's what it's about, friends. Clean hands and a pure heart. So what that is, is that us uh, every day coming before the Lord and, and, and presenting ourselves and asking the Lord, because friends, you can't give yourself clean hands. You can't give yourself a pure heart. Only the Lord can pure a heart. And, and clean hands is our actions, what we're doing with our life. So the only way that we're going to be able to ascend to the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place is us having pure garments. And then so, so for my last illustration, obviously you've seen I've been wearing a white shirt. And so the nice thing about this is that it was my birthday on Wednesday. I didn't buy this for myself. Somebody else bought this for me. Somebody else purchased this with their money and it was presented to me as a gift. And then I chose to put it on. It looks nice, don't it? But that's the same thing with this whole garment thing is that the Lord has purchased it for us with his blood. And it's a free gift. We can't earn it. We, we, we don't deserve it. And we're going we're gonna to mess it up. But we got to stay in that place of humility. And the Lord will continue to wash our garments. He'll continue to cleanse our soul. And it's a, it's a lifetime of, of living for the Lord and loving Jesus and letting him wash and wash and wash. And, and if, you, if you surrender your life to him, you will find the Lord throughout the course of your life. I found this in the last 23 years of living for Jesus. Is that he will show me more areas of my life and more areas of my life and more areas of my life that for him I need to get rid of. And then it's my choice to say, God, okay, I, I choose to give it to you. Or you can be stubborn and just say, no, Lord, I'm not giving that away. But friends, I want to be, as, as James said, I want my religion. Go back to that, that verse, that first verse. I want my belief, I want my faith to be pure and undefiled. And I believe that is the same for every person at Vision Church. That we would have a belief, that we would have a faith that's pure and undefiled. Because we're taken after those who need someone to love on them. And we're keeping ourselves 
from being polluted by this world. Would you stand to your feet with me today so we can pray together? Thank you, Janae, for getting sticky for me. Appreciate it. You know, there's this belief that our walk has to be perfect, and it's not. It's not going to be perfect. We're going to have times where we fail God, right? We're going to have times where we feel God has failed us. There's going to be times where we get offended at others. There's going to be times we get angry. There's going to be times we allow the enemy you know, to speak through us and we destroy others with our words. But there's grace again today for you. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you fill our lives once again? Would you fill our lives once again? And God, and if we in this place, if we feel like, man, we're not in the place where we should be, or maybe we're, we feel in this place, maybe, man, we, we just feel like we're failing this walk of faith, or we're not doing enough. I pray that there would be a transition in our belief and in our thought life, Lord, that we would just grab a hold of the great grace that you purchased for us. Lord, if there are those of us in here, God, that have continual, God, habitual sin issues in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would have the courage today to say, God, I'm laying those down at the foot of the cross. God, I'm laying down habitual sin. I'm laying down, God, areas in my life that aren't aligning with your word. Jesus. As we're praying, I just want to remind you, there's just one thing that I felt like the Lord placed in my heart at the end of my message. I didn't say it is, don't let the world define what sin is and what sin is not. Let the word do that. Don't let the world define what sin is and what it isn't. Let the word of the Lord tell you what that is. So Lord, we want your word to richly live in our lives. And just like it says in Ephesians, that we would be washed by the water of the word. So God, we just invite you today. If you have never invited the Lord to live in your life, just, just agree with me. If you have, just agree with me once again. Lord, I invite you, God, to not only be a part of my life, but God, I invite you huh, to be the head of my life, to be the Lord of my life. That's what we say, Lord Jesus, to be the master of my life. Lord, I take, God, the keys of my life and I hand them over to you. God, I take uh, the, the wheel, like, like all the songs says, Jesus, take the wheel. I give you, God, where, where you would lead and guide me and show me what you want to do in my life. Thank you that your word says that you have, that the plans that you have are good and prosperous and successful. And so, Lord, we just trust you today. And we surrender once again. And I'm going to just say it out loud. Josh Hester surrenders his pride again to you. 
Josh Hester surrenders his fear. You just put your name there. Josh Hester surrenders his fear again to you. Josh Hester surrenders his doubt again to you, Lord. Huh. Just put your name in there. And just, just surrender whatever it is that you need to surrender. And we surrender again to you. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And God, and as we are in the series of being set apart, I thank you that you would teach us this amazing, beautiful thing about holiness, that God, it's not about our deeds. It's not about our, our, our uh, failures and flaws, and it's not about our, our goodness and our righteous acts, but it is about you living fully and holy in us. And God, you will make us whole. Because holy, H-O-L-Y, will make us holy. W-H-O-L-E, L-L-Y. <laughs> I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we end. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May his face shine richly upon you. Shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. Another translation will say his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. Friends. Thanks for joining with us today. We're so glad you did.